recorded live. Welcome to IEQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. have changed. It changed big time today. We've got a great crowd today. Good day wherever you're listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio for Friday, January 20th, 2011. This week, episode 232. 232, Cliff. Ooh. Comes to you from Studio C in beautiful McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. My name is Joe Hughes, Radio Joe Hughes, and back with me in the studio is the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. Always good to be here and work with you, Joe. Back, good to be back in the bird, Cliff. All right, at the controls is... Roxy V, Val Bender. Good morning. Good morning, Val. <laughs> All right, we've got a, a great show. Of course, we'll have uh, Dr. Wild join us later on in the show as our technical director. We've got five guests today. We have Ron Kratz with the National Air Duct Cleaners Association. We've got Dr. Elliot Horner with the Indoor Air Quality Association, and uh, we'll go over their own companies here in a moment. We've gonna, we're going to have John Schulte, the Executive Director of NADCA, and I think we're going to have Glenn Fellman. And then for the second half today, we're going to have Sharon Noonan-Kramer on the show. So it should be an interesting show. We're looking forward to a great discussion with everyone. We'll also, of course, stop for halftime in our roundup. But before we get started, we have to thank our marquee sponsors. Net Claims Now, providing insurance billing services for the restoration industry. For fire, water, mold, and reconstruction billing, learn more about them at www.netclaimsnow.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanclenfax.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. Okay, you can join the show live by following the link on your show invitation, or you can go to the iaqradio.com website and follow the link that says go to show. You have to log in through the TalkShoe client, 
and uh, then you can listen live. The live version is, uh, you know, because of the technology, not as clear as our downloaded version, and most people listen to the downloaded version later. You can get our downloaded version by either streaming it direct from our website homepage or Again, going to the go to link or go to show link on our our website, and uh, you can right click on download and then download it to whatever type of uh, MP3 player you have. You can also get our shows from iTunes. All right, let's uh, before we go. I also want to make sure we note that we have those ABIH, IICRC, and ACAC renewal credits available. Just email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. And last but not least. Please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is very easy. Email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, text in your answer. Congratulations <laughs> to Jonathan Klain, Klain Education Information Training Hub in Fairfield, Maine, for providing yawn as the answer to last week's trivia question, which was to name the involuntary respiratory reflex that regulates the carbon dioxide and oxygen levels in our blood. The IEQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, January 20th has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restores and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Now for this week's trivia question. Name the famous 1919 court case that set the precedent, or precedent that freedom of speech is not absolute and that speech with a tendency to cause evil may be curbed by the government. Back to you, Joe. Good one, Cliff. Always ties it in somehow. All right. We've got, uh, we're going to start today with a little preview of two great conferences coming up here in March, I do believe, but we'll find out with our guests. Our guests today are going to be Ron Kratz from Dynaclean in Omaha, Nebraska. He's the secretary of the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, and he was their annual meeting chair. And we have Dr. Elliot Horner from Air Quality Sciences. Uh, Dr. Horner has been with Air Quality Sciences since 1996 as their lab director, and he has he was the uh, annual meeting chair for the Indoor Air Quality Association meeting. So let's uh, get Dr. Horner on the line first. We're going to do the Indoor Air Quality. I think he was guest uh, three. Hello, uh, Dr. Horner, do we have you on the line? Oops. Hello, Joe. How are you? There we go. There great, you. great. Great to have you back again. And uh, we uh, this, it's an interesting topic this year because I, I was talking to you before the show and I wanted to I, I wanted to congratulate you on putting together a nice lineup for the convention but uh, before I get into too much detail on that I'd, I'd like to ask if you could give listeners a little idea of you know what role you did play in helping put this together 
Well, mostly what I was doing was coordinating uh, the efforts of volunteers and uh, the IQA staff. We had a number of uh, six, eight uh, volunteers, professionals, who uh, donated their time to review proposals for talks that were uh, submitted. Uh, we feel that pretty important to get um, get get some footballs on or different eyeballs on uh, proposals so that we can uh, exert have quality control. And also uh, something else, uh, so that was one thing I was doing, was coordinating um, all those reviewers. And then also the IQA staff has uh, put in quite a bit of behind-the-scenes uh, effort, and I've been interacting with those on a good deal. So more or less just coordinating uh, folks as much as anything is what I was doing. You, did you have to actively solicit people in, within the industry? I noticed you got some new names there, and I'm just curious, did you, have to, you, know, did you use some of your connections to go out and do that? Uh, we reached out in a variety of ways to, to just send our solicitation of proposals. Uh, yes, uh, some of uh, contacts, uh, well, uh, personal contacts, but also uh, the call for papers went out. And uh, I'm fairly certain everybody got the same call for papers, regardless of how we uh, established contact with them. Gotcha. Now, what are some of the new features at this year's conference? And also, while we're at it, what's the date for this year's conference? Uh, this year's conference is March 5, 6, and 7. We've got uh, three full days. Uh, this is not a con of papers off and only has a half day at the end. We go all the way to 5 o'clock on, on Wednesday, the third day, and we run uh, three uh, concurrent tracks all the way through, except for the time when we've got the general membership meeting and the keynote speaker. But all the rest of those solid three days, we've got three current tracks going. Uh, and we've also, some of the, you asked about the new uh, things, we have this year put together two really nice workshops uh, for the for the conference. That'll be Sunday, uh, March the fourth, where we have conferences, and you can see what those are on the uh, web IAQA website. Uh, one is about cleaning, and the other is about allergens and allergen analysis. Uh, we also are trying uh, poster sessions this time. And this was something that we wanted to, to see if it will work with this audience. Uh, we have had not been tried before at IAQ, uh, and it's uh, potentially a mechanism whereby we can get uh, additional participation from some uh, broader range of, of the membership. Uh, we've got sessions on sustainability and, and impacts on indoor air quality. We have sessions on energy and indoor air quality. We also have a panel discussions, one uh, that will be discussing highlights of some recent conferences, and then we've also got a panel where they'll be giving an update on uh, recent stance codes and, and government reports. And all of those, both of those panels, of course, will have discussion as to what these uh, mean to, for the indoor quality industry. And you have a, a keynote this year, too, as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the keynote speaker? Yes, very pleased to have uh, James Scott uh, as a keynote speaker. Uh, I've known James for a number of years, and most I think most people in, in the industry are at least familiar with his name. But again, uh, researcher as well as practitioner, uh, James did his. He's at the University of Toronto the School of Public Health. He um, did his dissertation working with dust, uh, the fungi uh, in dust samples from indoor environments. Uh, actually got a couple of new species, I believe, out of there. Got a much better understanding of, uh, of what's in, in indoor house, indoor dust. Uh, he will be talking, 
address some key issues of the biology and the health effects of indoor mold. He also is very experienced in the industry because he served on the laboratory accreditation committee for several years, and he also has a good deal of practical experience since he has founded and operates a commercial laboratory in Toronto. Also has uh, done consulting on a number of uh, building investigations. So this is not a professor who just sits in a laboratory or classroom. He's actually out there rolling up his sleeves and getting buildings and also is very familiar with uh, the laboratory procedures. So we're pleased to have James Scott from, from Toronto giving our keynote speech this year. And can you give us a couple of other um, special presentations or, or those that maybe you're more interested in? Uh, yes, we uh, have, as you mentioned uh, earlier, we've got a good diversity in the presentation this year. We've got a session that will be addressing bed bugs, which is uh, bugs I'm sure everybody's aware has made a, made a resurgence. And we've got some, a couple of presentations on bed bugs, uh, hopefully get people uh, up to speed on, on what to do with that issue and how to how to just, uh, delineate it if you run across it. We also have a couple of sessions focusing on moisture issues, moisture diagnosis. Uh, one new technology that will be discussed there that I'm personally very excited about hearing is uh, there is, I believe, a new, in a new instrument that is uh, going to be able to measure water activity actually in the, that is not a, a secondary function of moisture and materials such as electrical conductivity or such, but rather the actual water activity of the material. I'm really looking forward to hearing about that device. Uh, we also mentioned a couple of uh, sessions on moisture, and this ties in nicely with the New York report from uh, December of 2010, I believe it was, and the World Health Organization report, with much more of a focus on moisture as the issue that we need, we should, should probably be addressing in, in damp buildings. Uh, let me see, what else have I got here? Um, new, there'll be at least a couple of papers you know, for individual presentations that have got some new funds. Uh, two papers that will discuss, uh, present some empirical data uh, that speak to the limitations of air sampling, specifically air sampling with spore traps. And what this does is begin to give us an idea or to quantify uh, the lack of precision of these short-term uh, grab samples. Um, and there's also a not very interesting, what I'm hoping will be a very interesting presentation on the time sequence, that is the colonization by successive groups of uh, molds on uh, materials, uh, the specific material that was used in this study with water-damaged cabinetry. So those findings will be very useful for folks in the field discriminating between root water damage versus long-term damage. So there's some, some new information, some new research-based information, as well as some current uh, presentations pertinent to present emphasis on, uh, on moisture right, in buildings. Yeah, Dr. Horner, where and how can listeners get more information about the conference? Uh, well, the IAQA website is, uh, is used to go for that, iaqa.org. Uh, there also have been uh, uh, an extensive list of emails. There have been emails sent out to an extensive list of people, so most everybody in the IAQ world has probably gotten an email. If it didn't show up in your inbox, you might want to check your, check your spam filter because uh, they have gone out to uh, a large, large number of people, as I said. There also will be uh, some social media 
contacts going out, social media, uh, through uh, at least through the AKIX uh, portals. Uh, and that uh, so it should get information out to everybody for it. There uh, probably is print information going out, too, through the, the U.S. Met if folks are, are still looking at that. But uh, check the IAQA website, and they'll have uh, the preliminary program as well as the dates and the uh, information for making hotel reservations and pre-registering. Oh, and I should mention that, or yes, if anybody's checking the IAQ website, the registration has got a, is $50 cheaper if the registration is completed for the end of January. So you've got to the end of this month to save $50 if you go register on the IQA website. Okay. Cliff? Um, are you making any recordings of the conference? You know, will it be available via uh, disc or audio or, or um, will a written record be made? Uh, there's gonna, there, there are papers submitted from the speakers. And those papers will be available on a flash drive that will be distributed at the conference. And that's uh, to allow people who want something about a con uh, presentation that they could not be in because of the three different sessions. So uh, we've made uh, that make sure that the attendees can get the information from all three concurrent sessions, which can only be in one one at a time. Uh, that same fl those flash drives will also be available for sale after the conference. Uh, you'll need to check again with the IQA website afterwards uh, as to exactly how to, to obtain those. But there is a written record of uh, presentations that will be available, yes. Dr. Horner, is there anything you would like to add or anything we forgot to ask you? Uh, well, I've been talking about the technical side of it. Uh, don't forget there's a trade show here, the Indoor Air Expo is in collaboration, uh, is a collaborative effort between IQA and Air Conditioning Contractors of America. And they have, um, the IQA, the listeners I'm sure are familiar with the exhibitors uh, that will be there, uh, but don't forget that this show is in collaboration with the CCA and that uh, you get a lot of exposure to the equipment and the manufacturers of the uh, air conditioning uh, equipment, uh, you know, the lungs of the building. And so since it is a a collaborative effort between this group. Uh, if you register for the IAQA, you can also attend the technical sessions at the Air Conditioning Contractors of America, their, their technical side of the show as well. So don't forget that. That's a, that's a very big uh, leveraging uh, opportunity that uh, we, we have now between IAQA and the ACCA. All right. Well, you know, Dr. Horner, we always appreciate you joining us. I look forward to I sh I hope I can make it this year. I've got a... Unfortunately, I might have a I hope so too, Joe. I look forward to seeing you there. I would love to be there, and we appreciate having you. And I thought we had – did Glenn Feldman make it in, or do we – he's having tr trouble he's getting in, computer, huh? He's just on the computer. That's all right. All right. Well, uh, we uh, look forward to talking to you again on the show, and also hopefully I'll see you in Las Vegas. Uh, I, that's one of the cities I do like to make it out to every once in a while. <laughs> so thanks okay. again for Thank joining Thank you for us. having me. All right, great. Let's go to uh, Ron Kratz now. If we've got Ron, he's guest one, and I think we have John Schulte. Hello, Ron, do we have you? Yes, good to be here. Thanks, Gil. Okay, great. Great to have you, and we want to talk a little bit now about the National Air Duct Cleaners Association Conference. There's conference. What's the date this year for the conference for NADCA, Ron? Uh, this year, our conference dates are um, March 19th through the 22nd. Okay. And by the way, folks, I, I mentioned in the introduction, for those of you that joined us a little late, Ron's out of Omaha, Nebraska, with Dinah Clean, 
and he's the secretary for the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, and he was their annual meeting chair. And and Ron, you know what made, what kind of got my attention? I'm I have, I'm a, a friend and colleague with uh, Carlos Gonzalez Boothby, and uh, Carlos is uh, very integral in in assisting with this, and I know he was very important in urging NADCA to kind of reach out a little more internationally this year. And I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about the location and why you decided to go to Puerto Rico. Well, this year was kind of an easy decision for us. We, every, every year we kind of look at uh, possible uh, alternatives outside the continental United States. There's always been cost prohibitive to do such things. But this year when we started looking around, we uh, contacted the Puerto Rico um, convention area out there and and with the economy the way it is, um, they were hurting for tourism and stuff, and we were able to get uh, a hotel and room rates and everything cheaper, basically, than what we could get in Florida. So um, so that made it pretty easy um, to, to make that decision to go out there. And, and uh, like I say, we always looked at that, a little warmer climate. And uh, so it was, it was kind of neat the way things came around this year. Are you getting more of a, an international, more Spanish-speaking uh influx of people into the membership or is this something that you're really kind of just starting to push a little bit more uh we're getting more but uh with the location we decided to push for it even even more and with carlos's help uh we've come up with a uh, spanish track that's going to run concurrent with our other track and uh and reach out to the latin america the spanish-speaking uh community down there and and hopefully get some uh, some more international members from that area. And do we have John Schulte on the line here? Let's see. I am on the line, Joe. Thanks John, for having me. Executive Director, Mr. Schulte, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks, Joe. Good. Thanks for thanks for joining us, John. I just wanted to, while we were discussing membership trends a little bit, I figured I'd bring in the Executive Director. You may have a little more insight on that. We're we're doing doing well at Nadca. We're. Uh, in fact, I just started looking at some of our membership numbers uh, over the last few days. We have about 900 members at this point, and we are in 23 countries around the world, uh, mostly U.S. We still got a little over 700 out of that number in here in the U.S., um, 85 in Canada, so we got a big presence up there. We're going to be doing a meeting in Toronto later this year. Uh, but, yeah, we're really excited. We're, we're hoping to pull in some members from throughout Latin America, and we figured this would be a good way to do it, uh, leverage our meeting location in Puerto Rico and see if we can convince some of these guys to come out and enjoy the beach with us. Great. That sounds great. You know, 900, I don't know if people realize that's a pretty nice size of a chunk of people for you. I, I don't know. Has that been kind of consistent over the last five years or so? I know a lot of associations have had trouble you know, maintaining membership. We had a, a difficult time here with the economy. Has that been pretty consistent for you, John? We've been holding pretty steady. Uh, we actually were starting to grow a little bit. It's a little tough right now. Like you said, a lot of associations are struggling. Uh, but, you know, we've tried to provide good value for our members. Um, probably one of the big, biggest things we have going for us is that a lot of the customers out there uh, for this industry specify our air systems cleaning specialist certification. Uh, so, you know, uh, there's a lot of things we do. I think m many of our members don't even know everything we have to offer. Uh, but even just with that one benefit, you know, having that certification through NADCA, 
it helps them compete and get business. And, you know, a lot of these guys have been sticking around as a result. You know, there's another thing that does that I, I, I don't know. I'm off track a little bit here, but I just came back from teaching a course, John and, you know, and Ron and I, I've used the NADCA standard for years, and I think it's just brilliant to go ahead and, and let people, you know, use that standard without, you know, hitting them over the head for a bunch of money for it. And uh, I think it's also really helpful that when I go over documents like should you have the air ducts in your home clean from EPA, there's direct references to NADCA in there. So I think NADCA's done a good job of advocating uh, in general for the members, and uh, that, that, that's been a big part of it. Uh, Cliff? Oh, okay. No, no, she's sharing in. Oh, uh, we were just checking to see if we got sharing in. Uh, well, let me let me move on a little bit for uh, get back to Ron for a moment. Ron, I know you you've worked hard on this program. Can you give us a little bit about the highlights of the program? Okay. Uh, well, the first day we always start out with our uh, certification classes, where like uh, John mentioned, CS, and uh, then they have the CVI and the VSMR classes that uh, we offer every year. So. Uh, we start out with, with those classes on the first day on, on Monday, and then our conference actually goes uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we we're, we're finishing up about noon on on Thursday, which is a little bit shorter this year, but we decided with the location, people aren't going to want to be sitting inside the building all day, so we're going to give them a little bit more time to uh, see some of the sites of Puerto Rico. But, uh, we got uh, several things we're dealing with um, just to help out our members. We've got one uh, session dealing with cleaning smoke and fire damage projects, you know, so people can understand the difference that may be involved in cleaning something that's had the smoke and, and maybe chemicals in there. And then we uh, um, also come up with one that's, um, as we deal with chemicals, we're coming up with a position paper for that on, on the use of chemicals. But we always have questions, you know, whether you sanitize, deodorize, and stuff like that. So, we got one session that we're going to help our members out with uh, just dealing with the, the chemical use, and and uh, and then you know, like I said, we just got some general ones. Uh, someone for some of the uh, newer members that may be coming that are looking. We want to have market your residential area, that cleaning business to uh, keep your business up and going. And and like I said, Carlos has got a good program going with the Spanish. Uh, dealing with indoor air quality and testing and adjusting and balancing and stuff. So it's, it's got a lot for everybody. I'm, I'm curious, will you have every presentation in both English and Spanish? Um, not every one. Um, now what we're going to be doing is, uh, for those that are integrated where we have both at the same time, we're going to have an interpreter there for those that are in, uh, in Spanish that they can hear, you know, what's going on. Um, and, uh, I think on some of them we will also do vice versa. We will have an interpreter there for some of the Spanish programs that maybe some of the English people want to set in on. Got it, got it. Now, John, anything you wanted to add on maybe the program highlights or the Spanish portion of things? Or uh, I know you've got a little training class, too, for technicians going on that's going to be in Spanish, as I understand it. Absolutely. On the, on the front end of this thing, uh, we're, we added a program. It's a full-day uh, hands-on training type program, and Carlos is going to provide this for us. Uh, you know, there's probably, he figures we can get in maybe 50 uh, technicians from just within Puerto Rico to come in and learn about this part of the business uh, that, you know, right now they might be doing uh, HVAC installs and repair type work, uh, but they can add air duct cleaning to their business uh, so it can help them grow their own businesses. 
So we've got a full-day program for that on the front end. Those guys will be able to come in and check out the exhibits. So if they if they decide they want to you know, pick up some new equipment and get into the business, they'll have good opportunities to do that and uh, and meet with people firsthand and you know, learn what it takes to grow the business. When you when you look at it, when you add it all up, that's really the underlying theme in our program. You know, whether it's marketing or finance or some kind of a technical seminar, ultimately it comes down to what can you do to grow your business in these tough times. Okay, and um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how's how's things coming in. I I know with Elliot, we talked a little bit about the uh, exhibit hall. Essentially, how are things going with respect to that? I I don't know. If, if you want to have John come back in on that, I can I can talk about that. Sure, um, you know we were a little concerned actually when we were putting this event in Puerto Rico, what kind of impact it would have on the exhibitors, and uh, quite frankly, I don't know if we're going to know for sure until it's all said and done. Uh, but the way we're we're promoting this is uh, for the exhibitors, it's a it's an opportunity to reach some people who are just looking to get into the business throughout Latin America uh, and the Caribbean. Um, and, and especially Puerto Rico, you know, we've got some things there. So hopefully the exhibitors will have some opportunities to meet some new new customers, new potential customers. Um, and then beyond that, uh, you know, we, we're we not expecting a necessarily a big show, but we figure the guys who are serious about this type of business and focus on it, you know, they'll be there. Um, and we are picking up some new exhibitors as well. One of one of the things we're excited about is we're rolling out a new uh, merchant processing program uh, through a company called Elevon, and our guys, you know, if if they're already handling credit cards, they'll be able to save some money off of their processing. And if they're not doing that uh, already, they'll be able to add that to their business and make it affordable. So we're hoping to have the folks from Elevon there uh, exhibiting, and you know, a lot of the equipment guys and. Overall, it should be another good show. Yeah, I think that's a great service for for customers. In fact, we're uh, the, we're familiar with other organizations trying to do the same thing right now. And I recently changed my service to one that was through uh, a, an association, and it was a much better deal. I don't think people realize how much they pay in these doggone uh, credit card fees. Um, so I think it's a great service, and, and if you can get it through an association, it seems to me it's a much better deal. I know, Cliff, you had the same yeah. experience. So. All right, guys, we're, we're running a little low on time here, but I just wanted to uh, give you a chance. I know you have an annual golf tournament. That's always a big, uh, you know, a big attraction for the NATCA group. And um, you've got some other additional, you know, outside activities like the old San Juan Tour organized. You've got a great room rate. Uh, looks like um, you've got a, a real nice hotel to do this at. I'd, I'd love to go to San Juan. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm tempted on that one, guys. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's see what happens here. But uh, anything before we go, Ron, I want to always like to give you the last word. Anything you'd like to add about the conference or – and you know, Ron or, or John, I don't know, either one of you, do you guys – get in touch with the people in Latin America much? Um, are they, you know, what type of HVAC systems are we dealing with down there? Is it very similar to here in the States? Or are we dealing with uh, totally different types of setups? Or Ron, if it's all right, I'll, t I'll take this one. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, Joe, uh, there's there are some differences in the sense that, uh, at least for our part of the industry, uh, outside of the U.S., most of the air duct cleaning that gets done 
is done in commercial environments, institutional, you know, facilities, uh, and not residential. So that's one, you know, one area we think is kind of big. Uh, we have started to uh, put some articles and uh, press releases out throughout Latin America. So, you know, quite frankly, uh, Carlos knows a lot more about those guys than we do, uh, but that's my understanding. We're hoping to learn more as we, you know, work more closely with these guys over over time moving forward. Great. Okay, Ron, anything you'd like to add before we, we uh, go to our halftime? Well, not really. I just encourage anybody that's listening, if they uh, want to learn more about NACA, just get on our website and get our all our information there, and the program is listed on the website too. So any information should be easily available, and if you can make it to Puerto Rico and want to join the association, we'd love to have you. And the website address again? That's NADCA.com. NADCA.com. N-A-D-C-A.com. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is uh, Ron. I want to thank Ron Kratz for joining us today and also John Schulte. And I uh, look forward to talking to you guys again in the near future. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks a lot, Jeff. All right, gentlemen. Let's go to halftime, Val. We'll be right back. Thanks to our association sponsors, the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, NADCA, is the leading authority for information on HVAC inspection, cleaning, and restoration. Visit NADCA at www.nadca.com. The Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors. Net Claims Now, providing insurance billing services for the restoration industry for fire, water, mold, and reconstruction billing. Learn more about them at www.netclaimsnow.com Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their service. 
All right, let's uh, let's move on to the second half of today's show with uh, with we got Sharon Noonan Kramer joining us. Sharon is an advocate for integrity and in how marketing is used to establish U.S. public health policies. Through her diligent efforts, she caused a federal government accountability office GAO audit, which has helped to reshape the federal policy regarding illnesses that are caused by biological contaminants found in water-damaged buildings. Now she is facing jail time for refusing to be silenced on how false policy was established and remains in private sector policy that it has been proven that damp buildings pose no threat to health. Sharon has been fined in contempt of court for violating a court order which precludes her and others from evidencing on the Internet the role that the California courts are playing in aiding the concept that damp buildings do not harm to remain in the private sector policy and in the U.S. courts. And uh, we've got a little intro for Sharon, I believe. All right, Sharon, do we have you on the line? You do. All right. I'm here. We we had some technical glitches there. We were worried until you until I heard your voice. I was a little worried. Cliff just uh, put his hands up too. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, it's great to have you back. Uh, for listeners that don't know, we've had you on uh, at least once and maybe twice now, if I recall, Sharon. And uh, we've talked a little bit about your advocacy for people who live and work in water-damaged buildings. And you've made great progress over the years. And uh, what I'd like to do to start out with is if you could just kind of summarize for our listeners what progress you feel has been made as the result of your advocacy on this issue? Well, what I did, I, I, um, I have a degree in marketing, and so, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a physician, but I understand how concepts are marketed to decision makers and that cause policies to become established. And so um, there was a, a horrible, horrible marketing campaign that was promoted primarily by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce to the courts and in policy, that all these people who were claiming illness from water-damaged buildings were just liars out to scam insurers and employers. And they wrote this policy. I have a, um, I have a different testimony uh, directly for the United States, for U.S. courts, that the mantra of the, the campaign was, Thus, the notion that toxic mold is an insidious secret killer is a result of uh, trial, as, as so many trial lawyers and media would claim, is junk science unsupported by actual scientific study. Well, I looked at the paper and looked at, you know, how they marketed it and the medical association that legitimized it and how it was used in the courts to falsely state that um, toxicology models could be used by themselves as proof that individual environmental illnesses are not occurring, which that's false science. It, um, evidence codes, you're, you're not allowed to do that. 
but it doesn't matter. It was marketed into policy. So what I did was I set out to approach it on a federal level, and um, I ended up, I moderated a United States Senate staff briefing where I brought in physicians and scientists, microbiologists, who were able to relay the true science, the true current understanding of the science to the Senate staffers. And then from that, I was able to, um, the Senate Health Committee uh, and the late Senator Kennedy requested a federal GAO audit on my behalf in 2006. And the report came out in 2008, and it rightfully acknowledges we don't know everything about these illnesses, but it's indeed plausible that serious illnesses are occurring from these biological contaminants. So what that did was, it knocked the naysayers out of policy on a federal level who have been promoting that it's scientifically proven this isn't occurring. And so whenever I get phone calls from people, or um, it, it's always, you know, thank you so much for lending credibility to my work. My family is sick. I am sick. We have not been able to get any help, and what you've done has helped us tremendously. So <laughs> then I kind of... Um, what the GAO report did was say that the Federal uh, Committee on Indoor Air Quality, Interagency Committee on Air, Indoor Air Quality, which is Phil Jalbert. I know you all have had him on from the EPA. Yes. Had this committee. Well, they have a, um, a mold work group made up of um, representatives from various government agencies. And um, they've done a great job of, getting accurate information within all the federal government agencies among themselves, but they haven't gotten the information out to the private sector to where it needs to go, which is um, these medical associations that are putting out false information and uh, several health departments, state health departments, that are not promoting accurate information. So that's the second step of what we're trying to finish um, is to have the, the federal government getting the information right within themselves. Now we need to go out to the private sector to shut down this deceit in the courtrooms that's been mass marketed. And so that's, you know, I set my I set a goal of teach the physicians that these illnesses are real and, and the, whole, the whole whole problem solves itself. And um, that's where I am, and I'm... I'm, I'm almost there. I'm almost home. I, I think there's been a lot of progress here, and I, you know, I deal a lot with um, people in this industry, people outside of the industry, and Cliff and I work hard at bringing people with opinions from both sides of the issue onto the show here. Um, I don't think anybody's denying the, the respiratory problems that occur, but I just want to make sure that I kind of capsulize this the best I can. You're not saying there's definitive proof at this point about the causation of some of these other non-respiratory illnesses that appear to occur after people live in and work in water-damaged buildings, but your, your key point was that you don't want the plausibility of that occurring completely denied for the people who are obviously, you know, feeling these problems. Right. My personal opinion is that there is enough proof to establish that it's, it's a chronic inflammatory response that people are getting within their system. But that's my personal opinion. And I'm not a scientist 
So I'm really not qualified. It doesn't really matter what my personal opinion is on the science. Right, right. I just need it to be recognized that those who say that they've scientifically proven these illnesses are not occurring are promoting false science in policy and in the courtroom. So it, it needs to, you know, we have a lot to still learn about these illnesses. There's no doubt about that. But to say that they're not plausibly occurring is false science. Okay. And, and I think, you know, we're not MDs either. We're not, uh, you know, we're not playing MDs. And, and um, you know, it takes a long time for this information to get into the mainstream practices out there and for people to... Um, revisit the issue so i think that's one of the things that you've been working hard at, at getting uh, accomplished now the right. the key behind this show was why are you going to jail now over this issue what what led to the point where you're going to it appears spend uh, five days in jail in february well as you can imagine there's been um extreme resistance to having this acknowledged because if you acknowledge that the buildings are causing this serious illness, that creates tremendous financial liability for, say, workers' comp insurers or um, property insurers. Or So the reason I'm going to jail is because I, well, you both know who I am. I'm tenacious. I'm not going to shut up about <laughs> how it became a fraud in policy. So what happened was in um, 2005, I was the first to publicly write of how this false concept got marketed into policy that it was proven buildings don't harm. And I named the names of those involved, which is the Medical Association of the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the Manhattan Institute and a corporation, two owners of a, a corporation called Veritox, Inc. It used to be called Global Talks. They wrote policy papers that for both ACOM and the U.S. Chamber. So, and, and I also named um, U.S. Congressman Gary Miller. Um, so, um, you know, I put it out there. This is false science. Here's how it got marketed. Well, I also, um, they, they sued me for the writing, the cases, um, Kelman and Global Talks versus Kramer, and they, there were five words that were the sole cause of action of the case. And you're not allowed to repeat those words, right? That's it. Okay. Only, anybody else in the world can say those five words that is full cause of action of the case. All right. Altered his under oath statements. So I couldn't say. I if couldn't I said say. yes or no, that could possibly be five more days in jail. Well, today. since Cliff has looked at the, um, the court documents, he can he can say that. Okay. So that's the key right. point right now. And right. Um, since you have uh, apparently somewhere along the way you you – Am I? Uh, you 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 put these out somewhere, and now they're they're putting you in jail for that. Is that accurate? Well, kind of. What happened was, I used those words to describe an expert witness who got caught on the witness stand having to discuss how the ACOM paper was related to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce paper in mass marketing these false statements, and I used those words to describe how he was trying to say. These papers weren't connected, but he had to admit they were because a prior testimony of his from another case had come in about him being paid for the ACOM paper, um, and it was a lay translation of the 
or pay, excuse me, paid for the U.S. Chamber paper and how it was a lay translation of the ACOM papers. And so they sued me for libel for those words, claiming it was a maliciously false accusation of perjury. The California courts um, issued opinions that made it look like I had accused him of getting paid to make edits to the ACOM paper. But my writing is 100% correct. The money from the Manhattan Institute was for the U.S. Chamber paper. So if you're understanding me, the courts themselves took my accurate writing and made it look like it was libelous. Um, what they also did was um, the gentleman had given a reason that I supposedly would have malice for him. In libel law, you have to establish malice. He claimed to have been a great expert in my own mold litigation of long ago that had testified. I testified the types and amount of mold in the Kramer house could not have caused the life-threatening illnesses, she claimed. And then his attorney wrote, apparently furious that the science conflicted with her dreams of a remodeled home, Kramer launched into an excessive campaign to destroy the reputation of Dr. Kelman and Global Talks. He never gave that testimony. I got a half a million dollar settlement, and there was zero evidence ever presented that I was even remotely unhappy with his involvement in, in our personal case of long ago. So what the courts did, they made my writing look false, and then they made it look like I was writing from a um, position of personal vendetta, when in reality what I was doing was exposing a fraud in U.S. public health policy. So right. that was in um, 2006 when the anti-SLAP opinion, when they first did this. And I mean, SLAP, well, we, SLAP is strategic litigation against public participation. Okay. You have to realize, October of 2006, I get a federal GAO audit by Senator Kennedy. November of 2006, the appellate court in San Diego makes my writing over the same issue look false and look like I had a reason for personal malice. Um, so there's been some heavy politics playing out here. So we went through the trial where we weren't allowed to discuss the science. Um, false hearsay documents got into the jury room. Um, nobody would ever make him provide corroborating reason. You know, he kept saying, this is why she has malice for me. And we're like, okay, we'll show the evidence. They could never show the evidence. No judge would make him show it. And um, the trial judge even said to me, when I said, Your Honor, can you just make them corroborate that? She said, I'm not going to be drawn into that kind of petty behavior. So it's been um, real interesting. So then it went back to the appellate court in 2010. They concealed what they had done in 2006. Um, so I'm now deemed a malicious liar for evidencing on the Internet how the U.S. Chamber of Commerce mass-marketed false science and policy. And then they um, filed a second suit against me in which I'm gagged from writing the sole cause of action words of the case. Um, those five words. If I can't write the five words for which the courts trained me, um, for, for libel with malice, I can't evidence what 
the courts did and why they did it. So I, I adhered to it for a while, and then the judge in the new case, I said to him, you know, Your Honor, I just need them to corroborate why they gave malice. This was in July. And the judge said to me that it was frivolous that a plaintiff be made to corroborate a reason for malice, and he threatened to sanction me. So at that point, I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to get too far with courts here. Hmm. So in September, I sent letters to the Chief Justice of California and the Judicial Council of California. That's the governing body of the California judicial system asking them for help and to intercede and to stop this harassment. And, you know, I evidenced for them what what the courts did. I evidenced how um, clerks of the court had falsified some documents, um, and, um, and we put it on the Internet on Katie's exposure and told them we were doing it, and, and so we could, rather than having to send mountains of documents, just said, go here, you can read it here. So what we did is we evidenced on the Internet that the Chief Justice of California and the Judicial Council were evidenced that these are inner circle justices involved in this case, that their inner circle um, has been less than forthright in their actions. And um, so instead of receiving help from the Chief Justice and the Judicial Council, what I got was slapped with a, um, a charge with contempt of court for violating a court order because I had to use the five words to explain, you know, if you can't write the sole cause of action, you can't write what happened about the case. Um, so <clears throat> we, um, they were actually, they tried to do eight charges at five days apiece. Um, Dr. Kelman flew down for the hearing uh, they wanted me to spend 40 days in jail, and um, I didn't attend the hearing in person. I attended it by affidavit because indication was, had I shown up in that courtroom that day, I probably would already be in jail. So where we are right now is I have this contempt of court charge for daring to put on the Internet that the Chief Justice of California knows her courts are compromised and that um, by doing so, what they're doing is aiding a fraud to continue in public health policy. And I'm facing five days in jail time uh, on February 10th. Well, there's two websites involved and both website owners are refusing to, they want us to retract these posts that evidence they know what's going on. Um, both website owners are refusing to retract the posts because they're truthful and they evidence the harm that is continuing to the public, not just because of the U.S. Chamber and ACOM, and, but because of what the California courts have done over this case. So, um, so that's how I got here. Um, that's, I, I am, you know, I can't. I can't get anyone in the state of California to acknowledge the uncontroverted evidence of the false statements made reason for malice um, in a strategic litigation. And if anyone ever did acknowledge that, there would be several um, 
high-level judiciary in the state of California that would have some real answering to do. Well, yeah, that's a. I mean, it's a real catch-22, Sharon. You you've got these high-level people, and if if you know if your version of this chain of events is accurate, and I we have no reason to believe it's not. You've got these very high-level people that would be put in at least a very uncomfortable situation if they, they were to admit this. And then we've got you on the other side who are, you're not a high-level person. And by the way, I think it's important for listeners to know you, you had a nice settlement on your original claim when you were uh, claiming to have been injured in a water-damaged home. But since that time, I assume you have pretty much wiped out that settlement in trying to change the uh, public policy on this issue. Right. I received approximately a half a million dollars settlement, but from the courts doing this to me for the last seven years, I, I'm just going to say it, I used to have a net worth of about $3 million. We're just barely hanging on to our house right now because of what the courts have done. And um, it's, they, it's just quite, it, it's very concerning Every time I think this issue, I've gotten to the rot, the core of the rotten onion. There's another layer that appears before me, and it's the California judicial system is in serious trouble right now. Um, our courts are closing. We've got this little inner circle called the Judicial Council that's running everything, and it's just very few people. Um, they're spending this money on this court case management system, a computer system that it doesn't work. It's never going to work. We're laying off court employees everywhere. We're closing courts, and they're hiring consultants at, you know, $150,000, $200,000 a year to keep this going. Um, there's a, a group of judges called the uh, Alliance for California Judges that they have a bill uh, called AB 1208, and what what that bill is geared for is to take control. The Judicial Council has complete control of the money in the state of California. It's to take control of the money out of these people's hands and distribute it back to the trial courts. So, um, you know, as, as is always true, he, he who controls the money controls the game. And it's from what I can witness and testify to what these people are willing to do um, and that they're in control of the money, which makes them in tr control of the courts, which makes them in control of justice, it's um, it's a very alarming situation. Cliff, so, Sharon, yeah, Sharon, I have a couple of questions for you. I don't understand, and, and, I, 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 and you may not understand it either, but I don't understand how the five words altered as under oath statements I don't understand how it's not freedom of speech, and I don't understand how you can have these folks from their West Bureau, this Pastor Phelps who goes to military funerals, and they have these very offensive signs, and they can get away with it, and they're protected from freedom of speech, and it seems that your information is truthful, and I don't understand why telling the truth isn't a defense. So I, I don't understand, number one, why it's not freedom of speech. And then where's the American Civil Liberties Union? I thought that they were supposed to, uh, you know, protect people like you. Well, 
those are good questions. You're absolutely right. There's no evidence, zero evidence, that I was ever impeached as to the belief in my words that he was doing that to conceal how um, the chamber and ACOM was connected. That's the first thing you have to prove in libel law, is that someone did not believe the truth of their words. They just, it's, they just kept suppressing the evidence that I was even giving reason why I used those words. You'll never see it mentioned in any opinion or ruling. But, what, but Sharon, so, let me ask, did, somebody did, apparently, was it a jury that decided that you you were you were guilty of this, or was it a judge? I'm I'm curious about that. It was a um, it was a jury trial in August of 2008, in which we were precluded from discussing the science, telling science or how it's used in the courtroom, and a a juror submitted an affidavit for me after trial saying um, hearsay documents got into the courtroom that caused the verdict for Kalman. I prevailed over Global Talks. So what caused the verdict for documents got into the courtroom and that we couldn't put on a defense. Um, I had witnesses who submitted affidavits that said, you know, yeah, I talked to her and she's right. All two was good. The, 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 it was, you know, you're asking good questions. But as far as why can that gentleman use such horrible inflammatory speech, and I'm going to jail, a never impeached U.S. citizen, it's because that gentleman didn't piss off the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and I did. Well, and, and, that's, and that's what it is. Is it fair to say also that there's never been a court order against him saying, don't make those statements? I don't know. I, I think that's the case. Well, I, 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 th I think besides being pastors, I think both... I think several family members are also attorneys, and I think that they have um, prevailed in terms of, of litigation right, where right. people have tried to stop them from, from doing this. And I think right. they, they intentionally provoke people, uh, you know, yeah. in, in order to do it. But, so uh, let, me, let me see if I can summarize this a little bit. Now, you, you've got this, um, you know, judgment against you or... or you know, ruling uh, against you, and then you've got these statements up on two blogs, and and the people don't want to bring these statements down because, okay. in their opinion, and in your opinion, they're truthful statements, so they don't want to bring them down. But I mean, they're you know, my, truthful statements. But, they're evidenced by court document truthful statements. Okay. You know, if the courts wanted to prove that I was a liar, or Kelman wanted to prove I was a liar, it would be real simple. All they would have to do is provide evidence from court documents corroborating the reason he gave for malice. And all they would have to do is provide evidence from the court documents that I was ever impeached as to my belief of why I used their word, those words. That's it. No court will make them answer those two questions. Now, That's it. But how do, we, how do you avoid going to jail? Pardon me? How do you avoid going to jail? I mean, you know, well, Sharon... I don't think I do. I, I don't... I mean, you know, if we were following law, um, then there would be ways for me to avoid it. And actually, I don't control... The courts have told me I have to take those things down off the websites or I'm going to jail. I don't control those websites. I can't take them down. 
but I don't think that's going to matter because we've not followed the law to this point anyway. So um, I don't think there is any way. The, the courts, you know, I'm sorry, I can evidence the courts are compromised at their highest levels. And one of the um, primary justices that I can evidence um, intentionally made my writing look false and intentionally suppressed the evidence that the plaintiff had committed perjury to establish malice is the chair of the California Commission on Judicial Performance. What that is, that's not part of the judicial branch. That's an independent state agency in the state of California. Their sole function is to police police ethics within the judicial branch of California. So when you have the chair um, doing this, and, you know, she knows we've communicated a lot. One of the posts that they want taken down is is a letter to her along with the uh, chief justice saying, you know, Justice McConnell, please correct this error. This is what's happening. This is what you did. Um, so that's one of the posts that I'm going to jail for. And to follow up on Cliff's question, did you contact the ACLU or, or any other organizations to try and help you with this? I've contacted everybody in the world. Um, the mole plaintiff attorneys are like running for cover. They're scared to death. And um, But the other people who don't understand this issue um, and don't understand what I've accomplished in this issue, it's real hard for them to understand when I call them up, you know, Hi, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent who's not working right now, and um, the courts framed me for the word altered, and it's cost me everything I own, and as a result, there's a fraud continuing in U.S. public health policy, and in courts that's harming thousands. They go, okay, well, thank you for calling. You know, it's hard to go from, from that word to, to the impact of what's going on. It's also a little bit of a confusing issue. It's a little tough. I mean, I follow this closely. It's sometimes tough for me to keep, uh-huh. you know, keep all the the names and players and the actions uh, straight. But Cliff, I know you had a, a yeah, comment. I do. What about a law professor? You know, uh, you know, it was, it, you know, it would seem that you know, certainly a law professor who understands the law would want to get involved with something like this. Have you tried that? Yeah, I've communicated with Erwin Chemerinsky, um, Valerie Plains' attorney. Okay. But he, he is the professor at the University of California, Irvine Law School now. And that's another element I haven't really gone into. Both the U.S. Chamber paper and the ACOM paper have the name University of California on them. Um, and when... when um, Employees of the university testify in, in mold cases. The regents of the University of California keep over half of the expert witness fees generated. So the regents of the University of California have a financial motivation in keeping this going. And um, that, that, do you know, you know the Valerie Plain whole thing? Right, sure. Yes. Erwin Chemerinsky was her attorney. Um, I have not been able to get any help from him. So, you know, this is, I mean, there are things I'm not going to say on your show today, but I can evidence some um, pretty um, 
compromised positions from California to Washington, D.C., what happens with this issue is that people get involved and think they're going to help politicians, and then they get to a point where it's like, oh, wait a minute, those are my friends I'm going to have to speak out against if I go any further with this. So once you touch this issue and you don't take the steps to correct the problem, then you can never go back and do it again without admitting you have unclean hands. So that's, you know, it, it, that's one reason why this keeps going. It's not, it has nothing to do with science. It's all about politics. Um, well, what's, what's the game plan from here, Sharon? You're, you're going to jail in February. It sounds like things are pretty much uh, set. You're not going to get those statements retracted by the two sites. Uh, well, Cliff? No, it, it seems to me if you're going to go to jail, you certainly have people that are on your side. And I think what they should do is have signed to say free Sharon Kramer and they should call the news and, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to get, you know, you, you, you won't, you, you may not be able to get your day in court, but you can certainly get your day on the news and, you know, perhaps someone will pick that up because, you know, it's not you that's saying it, you know, people could pick it outside and, uh, you know, they, they do these sorts of things all the time and they get good television coverage. What about something like that? Because certainly you have a lot of supporters, people that you've helped, people that, um, you know, believe in your position. Right. And, well, that's my only hope at this point is to get sunlight on this. And, you know, that's a very concerning, all this SOPA and PIPA laws where they're trying to stop access to the Internet. Well, we're like the poster child of that. We've evidenced on the Internet that the courts have aided the U.S. Chamber of Commerce by um, less than stellar means, and I'm going to go to jail because they, we won't take it down off the Internet. The blog owners won't retract the truth off the Internet. So if that's not an example of um, freedom of speech being stymied by those that are able to control it, I don't know what is. But you're absolutely right. And that's why I appreciate you all letting me come on here and talk. My only hope at this point to get them to stop this is to get sunlight on what they're doing. Um, I didn't attend the contempt of court hearing because I knew I'd go right to jail. You should see the transcript of this. The whole focus of the trial was, let's you know, let's see if we can get her down to the psych unit for a mental exam. You know, she's got to be incompetent. She's got to be crazy. And even the court um, appointed this woman who was supposed to, like, help me with this contempt hearing. The woman stood up and said, oh, I think that's our only option, Your Honor. We need to get her down to the psych unit. So what they're going to try to do, this is our only defense. They're going to try to deem me crazy for speaking of what they've been doing. So um, it's just unfathomable to me that this can happen in the United States of America. But, you know, out of adversity comes change. And there are a lot of judges in California who are complaining about the, it's called speak with one voice. What that means is the judicial council says what happens. And if you don't agree with that, if you're a, a judge or a court employee and you don't agree with that, then you are not promoting the branch. 
um, and it's it's chief. It's something that Chief Justice Ronald George, who suddenly decided to retire <laughs> in the middle of last year, it's a concept that he instilled, and it's causing. Um, it's not just me. There are families being harmed in family court. Th- these guys actually had the nerve. They were under a Bureau of State Audit investigation about some horrible things happening in family court in Marin County. They actually had the nerve to destroy court documents in the middle of an investigation, and nobody stopped them. So um, it's very, this bill, AB 1208, which is designed to, it's called the, it was called the Trial Court's Bill of Rights. This bill that is designed to wrestle away control of the money from this judicial council and the administration of the courts is extremely important, um, not just to the people in California, but all over the United States, because this is the largest judicial branch in the United States. And I can evidence they are severely compromised. And if anybody wanted to prove me wrong, all they'd have to do is um, provide the evidence from the court case corroborating Kelman's reason given for malice and provide evidence that I was ever impeached as to the belief of my words. They can't do it. It's as simple as that. So um, so that's where I am. All right. Well, Sharon, let's do this. We're running way over, but that's okay. We have control here. We can do that. What I'd like to do is turn it over. Cliff, I know, has a final statement he'd like to make. And then I do want to give uh, Dr. Wow a chance to chime in here and see if he has anything uh, that he'd like to add to the ju- to the discussion. And then, of course, we'll give you your final word. Go ahead, Cliff. Sharon, is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce part of the government? You know, it's a pretty impressive-sounding name. What the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is, is the largest business lobbying group in, in the world. And that's all they are. They're a lobbying group. They don't do anything without being paid to do it. Um, I, the insiders call what they put out, it's called Views for Dues. So they are very well connected, and they, they've got their fingers in a lot of pies on both sides of the aisle um, in Washington and in every state. State. And people should not confuse the U.S. Chamber of Commerce with local Chamber of Commerce. Local chambers work to promote what's good for the businesses in their, in their area. They're not really lobbying groups so much. But the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is nothing but a massive lobbying machine. And that's, that's it. All right, well, let's get Dr. Wow in here, and uh, he's been patiently listening, and I'm just curious if he has any quick comments. Oh, there he is. Dieter, I know this is not your, um, you know, yes, your, your bailiwick, but you always come up with something fascinating. So what, what, do you, what have you got for us this week? I tell you one thing. I mean, I, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. Uh, it's, it's, I thought I was living in the United States of America. But anyway, I have a couple of good questions. Those five words, can I use them? I will today, yes. tomorrow, and every day thereafter. Yes, <laughs> altered his under oath statements. Anybody else in the world can say, in the, 
In the public record case of Kelman and Global Talks versus Kramer, the sole cause of action was da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Altered. But if I say it, I'm risking spending five more days in jail. Well, that's not all that bad. I spent in my whole life two nights, not two days, two nights in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Do we dare ask why? (laughs) Yes, you may. Uh, The one was in Spain, and I was in a rush to get to a bank because they were closing, and I crossed, I will never, ever forget that, the yellow line, linea continua, that is the solid line. If you cross that one over there, I mean, ironically, these uh, two motorcycle cops had German BMWs to catch me. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't have the money to pay the bribe. They were looking for bribes, but I didn't. That's why I drove so fast. (laughs) I needed money. I had to get to the bank. The next morning, they let me out, and I was the hero of the little town. I forgot the name. Hell with it, yeah. (laughs) Well, the other one was, at night, I played with my band in front of a youth hostel in Germany. We had known uh, that a couple of Dutch girls had moved in. And we thought it would be appropriate to play at 2 o'clock at night. (laughs) (laughs) And they liked it very much. The housekeeper did not. And he called the police, and my tuba and I were locked up for the night. (laughs) (laughs) I think we we had to pay $10 to the Red Cross or something like that. It was probably Let's go down to the other stuff that Sharon touched on, and that quote got her into uh, trouble in triple quotation marks. It's always fun to talk to a, f- a felon. I have no problem. With <laughs> <laughs> wait, I'm, wait, see, that's the thing, too. I've never been charged with a crime. I didn't have access to a jury trial, and um, I don't have a right to appeal. Civil contempt of court, the, the judge can lock you up. It's called coercive incarceration. Yeah, I and know about lock that. Lock anybody too. up for that. So I, I'm not a criminal. I'm just going to jail. Well, and what's, what's really bad, Dieter, is they can keep her in jail. I mean, it's not just five days. They can they can potentially keep her there much longer. So. Oh yeah, and I think that's their intent. Is they're going to keep me in there until I say, okay, I'll never say that again. But that's the thing. If somebody asks me why when I'm in there, why are you in here? And I was, would say, well, because in the case of Kelman and Global Customs, <laughs> the sole cause of action is da da. That's Alder five more days in jail for me. I know of the other problems which uh, California has, and there are a ton of problems there. They are so deep in debt, it's unbelievable. Not even Mr. Universe could get them out of those problems. <laughs> Mr. Universe helped to drive us into that. I mean, going, going to the bottom line, and uh-huh. uh, I don't have... Yeah, epidemiological evidence, statistical evidence, and all of that. And uh, it's it's light out there. But I don't think it is a good idea to live in a house which is moist and if it's full of bacteria and mold. There is no doubt in my mind. And I certainly would not pitch a tent on a sanitary landfill just because, you know, I want to live there. So... I think we have to look at that, and I think we have to understand it. And with or without data, a crummy house 
with mold and bacteria and moisture and uh, rotting wood and whatever you, I don't think it's a nice place for anybody uh, to live in, including children, uh, middle-aged people and old people like me. <laughs> so, um, uh, 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 I, 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 I have no problem with that. And if you do have those problems, you better take care of them and preferably in a hurry. Right. And that's, you know, basically that's one of the things that I've helped tremendously to bring to light is if you don't take care of this stuff, people are going to get sick. And Absolutely. And if, if you own the building, you're not only going to, you know, have to feel horrible about making someone sick for not maintaining your building, it's going to cause a liability. So, you know, clean up the buildings, teach the doctors that when somebody comes in claiming these various symptoms, to consider the indoor environment may be causing their illnesses. That's all I ask. Yeah, well, I'm working. I'm working on a couple of cases, uh, which I investigated, and there is an office building which is a heck of a lot cleaner than my house, and about 250 people in there. And there is one guy. In fact, I have to talk to Joe later on. I don't put that on the air yet. Uh, uh, there's one guy who is complaining. He said, we have to do this test and that test. I want to know exactly how many of every species. Uh, yeah, of course, the guy doesn't know what the heck he is talking about. I said, if I take an air sample, which I did, well, that was at those five minutes when I took the air sample on a Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever it was. He wants the company to monitor the place every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and... Uh, he would like to know to what kind of molds he is uh, exposed. Interestingly, he has no symptoms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, you know, that's, there's, a, it's, there's just so much mixed information out there. Yeah. And, that, and, and, you know, what adds to it is those who completely know, say, they cause a pushback of these other people who, you know, they go on the Internet and see, oh, yeah, there is some problem here. But when you, when you lie and say it's proven this isn't happened at all, people are going to know you're lying, and they react the other way. Yeah. So, so it's causing the contention and the extreme opinions on both ends. When in reality, you know, if you clean up the buildings and, and people realize early that this might be what's causing their illness, 99.999% of the time, that would stop the problem. You can prevent the problem or, or stop it in its tracks, yeah. That's a shame. Right. Well, Sharon, well, we're we're about sick, it. Sure. And six sick people early and you don't have a problem. So um, that's really it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, yeah, uh, uh, I don't want to live in an operating room. And uh, in fact, mm -hmm. I like the sufficient challenge to my body. And I hopefully make good antibodies <laughs> and react positively to it. So far, I have done quite well. Uh -huh. I'm one of the few people in the world I know. I'm 73 years old in a month, uh, almost to the day in a month. Uh, and I never ever had a cold. I never ever had the flu. And my mother, when I was a kid, said, said Dieter, one day you're going to die from dirt poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Dieter, I, I was did. in the mud. I was up. Well... Apparently, my immune system was bolstered by that. But I, Dieter, I did see one one building 
that caused you to react terribly. It was a hotel in Baton Rouge. Do you remember that? We had to leave that oh, hotel. Yeah, that was that damn, uh, what is that, that, that pine spray, because you know, when I go into my room in the hotel, it has to smell like a pine uh, forest. <laughs> when I go into a hotel room anywhere in the world, I don't want it to smell from anything. <laughs> Well, oh, Peter. my God. Yeah, Joe, you are absolutely uh, right. I, I remember that. Yeah. I woke up in the morning. I thought I was blind. I could not open my eyes. Yep, yep. So they were so swollen. It was, uh, yeah, we moved to another hotel, oh, right? Yeah, yes. well, we got out of there. Well, Cliff, I know you wanted to finish this no, up. No, no. Uh, you know, you know it, Sharon, it, you know, it seems to me that it's really time for you to rally the troops. You know, you know, where's Aaron Brockovich and Melinda Ballard when you need them? It sounds like you need them. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the Internet is a powerful tool. And, um, you know, being a public relations person, I think you need to gather those around you that, that support you. And uh, we'll do well, there our... have been several who are trying do some things to help, but, um, you know, as far as me being able to do it right now, I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I need others to step up and do it for me, because when I speak on my own about it, it's difficult, you know, for people to accept that as credible, particularly since the courts have now had me labeled a malicious liar for seven years and I'm going to jail. Um, my credibility within those who don't know what I've done in this issue, um, it's, it's very difficult for people to understand that, no, I'm telling the truth. The courts are liars. And um, that's... So, well, it's, with you all allowing me to do this, this, this is really my only protection, is to, to get it out publicly, what's really going on, and hopefully somebody will listen and... and this corruption in the judicial branch, not just for my benefit, but for everyone's benefit. There, there are several justices that need to step down off the bench immediately. So, um, and, and if anybody wants the documents and the evidence of it, I'm more than willing to provide it. Yeah, I need okay. those five words. I Go can't ahead. see him. Uh, wait, Cliff can. Hang on. Altered we, we, we his really under oath them. statements. Altered his under oath statements. They are, Dieter. You can say it. Yep. Anybody else can, but Sharon Kramer can't. Well, oh, it's potential. Five more days in jail. That's a that's one day for every word. We oh, don't want that. We don't yeah. want that, Sharon. So, well, listen, um, we're going to wrap things up. Is there anything you wanted to add as a final thought on this? Well, just. You know, I, I just really appreciate you all helping me to get this out. And if you can help me get it out farther or if you have any contacts with any freedom of the speech organizations or, um, you know, various nonprofits that are supposed to be defending the Constitution um, against the attack and defending the Internet against the attack and... Um, it would sincerely be appreciated whenever Sharon, you can get it. We uh, will do whatever we can. Certainly, this was a, a start, and we do appreciate you fighting the good fight and coming back to join us again here on IAQ Radio. So we'll uh, we'll keep listeners posted on how things uh, you know move on from here, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. 
Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Dieter. Always a pleasure. This is Radio no Joe problem. Hughes. No problem. All right. Saying thanks uh, to the Z-Man. Uh, very interesting. It was interesting. interesting. Uh, and, of course, to our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Weil, to today's guests, we had Dr. Elliot Horner. Uh, we had uh, John Schulte from NADCA. We had Ron Kratz on, uh, representing NADCA, his company's DynaClean. We, uh, of course, had Sharon Noonan Kramer on today's show, a great show. And, of course, I want to thank Val, uh, Roxy V, for helping <laughs> us out here at the, at the controls. Nice job. And, uh, most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners. Come back and join us again next Friday at noon for the next broadcast of... IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production.